This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. Morning. My message is titled, Is There Not a Cause? And we're having a bit of a, a look at the life of King David. You here this morning will be very familiar with the story of the life of King David, and some of you not so familiar, so we'll do a bit of a, a journey through some of the things that happened over the course of his lifetime. But for David, his sense of cause developed quite early in his life. We can see that as we read about him, and and that sense of cause continued throughout his lifetime and we're going to have a quick look in a minute at maybe the most legendary story about King David where he he defeated Goliath but even in some of those legendary stories that kind of his fame was so much built upon as a a warrior and as a a man of, of faith and even in that moment when he he went to face Goliath and he said, well, I, I've already killed lions and, and bears with the help of God. Those kind of early highlights in his life, they, they can be kind of the adrenaline moments, those whoop, whoop, victory moments. And I don't think, I think they were a good foundation for him, but I don't think just hanging on to those moments was what, sustained him through the highs and lows as he continued on. They, there was something underlying those actual events and those actual high points that sustained him through all the challenges that he went through. And if you're not aware, what we're going to explore today is quite a long and drawn-out number of challenges that David went through in his life. And if we kind of stand back and, and look at a life of faith in God, then surely it has to be in those seasons of challenge where our faith really stands up. Like really in times that are going fantastic, there's kind of question over how much faith is really needed for those seasons. Faith might get us to those seasons of success and we definitely don't want to switch off our faith in those seasons, but, but it's a lot easier to just enjoy the moment when everything's just wonderful. But really, it's in those moments of challenge, and I think for people outside of our faith, that's when they really are looking at our lives too and they're seeing whether our faith really does match what we profess whether our faith does stand up in those moments of challenge. But our God is good, and when our faith is in him, it will stand up. In those moments of challenge, when we trust him, we will find that he is faithful. I find he is faithful. David found he is faithful. You will have found that he is faithful. When you trust in him in those moments, and it's not only that, we find God proves himself faithful, but also for our own lives, it's like, okay, for ourselves, there's something in ourselves that's like, okay, I can see now that my faith my faith is growing, my faith is genuine. Our, our own faith proves itself to us that, okay, 
I've put my faith in God and he has got me through this. My faith is real. And so for David, it wasn't necessarily in his victory over Goliath that he discovered these kind of truths to hang on to and this reassurance and this solidity of his faith. It was more in his years of running and hiding and waiting for God to bring to pass the promises and anointing over his life. As David continued to grow, he traded an allegiance that was initially to his father and to the flock of sheep that he, as the youngest son, I guess maybe the older brothers went through a season of looking after the sheep, but they all grew up. David received an an anointing that he would be a, a future king over Israel when he was still a shepherd to sheep and goats. But as he grew up, his allegiance, even though he had a belief in God back then, his allegiance back then was more to his father and the flock, but he traded that allegiance for an allegiance to God, an allegiance to to the cause of the God of his people, his God, the God of his kingdom. David came after King Saul, and Saul looked like a good king, but there was issues in Saul's life and it came to a point where because of Saul's disobedience God said this isn't going to continue down Saul's line the kingdom isn't going to remain with Saul God was going to give the kingdom to someone else and um, it's actually if you're taking notes you're not going to read it but you could jot down 1 Samuel 13 and 13 to 14 God decided he would give his people's kingdom to someone after his own heart were the words used there. And so we see that as time goes on, David actually is brought into service for Saul, not as like an apprentice king, but because he was good at playing the harp and good at soothing Saul because Saul, I guess these days, um, you might say he had a mental illness. There was there was a demonic spirit that affected him, and um, and so David came into service for Saul. And from that moment, really, he was loyal to Saul as a servant, playing for him before before there was kind of any talk of him being coming king down the track. And so we come then to. David and Goliath, which is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm not going to read that whole account, but pretty much the the Israelite army were facing off against the Philistines and Goliath was a really huge guy and he was a fierce warrior and the Israelites were scared of him. And David was still at this point looking after sheep and goats, but his father sent him to visit his brothers on that front line. And David goes, what's happening? Like, why aren't we just going and and dealing with this guy? Like, he's the enemy and God's on our side. Why don't we just deal with him? And in the New Living translation, 
as David's asking these questions and his, his older brothers are there, they are like, what are you doing here? And, and what about your sheep? Like typical big brother, putting little brother in their place. And, but David responds, what have I done now? I was only asking a question. But in the King James Version, that response of David, verse 29, David says, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? And that was very much David's heart throughout his life. He lived for a cause. And as Christians and followers of Jesus, we have a cause to live for as well. We can delve into many scriptures that might kind of illustrate our cause as Christians. Um, Philippians chapter 1 and starting partway through verse 20 some words of the Apostle Paul are pretty pretty inspiring. Maybe we, we could adapt them to be something about our cause. Paul says there in Philippians 1 and 20, I trust that my life will bring honour to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Uh, they're pretty stirring words. And more words of Paul in that same letter to the Philippians in chapter 3, um, verse 8, says, Yes, everything else, else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. And down in verse 14, Paul continues, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Hear so much of his heart for Christ, for the cause that he lived for through the letters that he wrote and, and the accounts of his life in the book of Acts. And they are inspiring words. Let's not just get inspired by Paul's words, but let's get inspired for our own life and, and our own cause for following Jesus. We'll just read a few more words in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 5. This is probably Paul again, although some debate that fact. Romans 1, 5 says, Through Christ... God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And in verse 16 and 17 continues, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So the cause of Christ, letting the world know the good news about Jesus, living for him. If we wanted to write our own verses that represented our own cause, they might have some words similar to that. Something in David's life that went alongside his devotion to the cause, his desire to honour God, was also 
and understanding of his true enemy. And that's something that I want us to look at today. And for your notes, number one is know your true enemy. David went from being anointed to be the the upcoming king. Even that was kind of done secretly because it was understood that that would really upset Saul at that point, knowing someone was already named his successor. successor. When we went to David defeating Goliath there, we didn't really finish the story, but David went out in faith and killed Goliath and the Philistines were defeated on that occasion. And then people started saying, oh, isn't David wonderful? They were talking up David. They were saying things like, oh, King Saul, he's, he's kind of killed hundreds, but oh, David, well, he's killed thousands. And it only took that little bit of comparison to really put a bit of a, a thorn in Saul's side. And we see then, I think it ended up being about 14 years that David was on the run because King Saul was out to get him. And it began just in the very next chapter in First Samuel 18. Saul's jealousy rose up. He attempted to take David out. Like when you're sitting at the dinner table, what's it like when someone throws a spear at you? Hmm, that's like you've got to have those quick reflexes, but you kind of don't really want to maybe rush back and join them for the next meal. Um, but we read in the following chapter, First Samuel 19, Saul's plotting assassination of David again, and Saul had a son named Jonathan who he and David just loved each other dearly. They had the biggest romance that there has been. They were loyal to each other beyond beyond the tide between father and son bond from Saul to Jonathan. And in that instance, Jonathan had to talk his father down from those assassination plots. Then following that in the same chapter, so it just went on and on, David's wife saved him from another assassination plot by, by letting him out the window. Um, and then David, he just escaped. He went to live somewhere else. Then it's only a few chapters on and um, Saul thinks David's out to get him and, and Saul's after David again. Um, that's in chapter 22. Chapter 23, Saul is hunting David down and God protects David and gets him out of those tight situations and rescues his life. It goes on and on until we get to First Samuel chapter 24. David has gathered some followers now. He's got relatives around him. He's got people who were a bit disillusioned with Saul's leadership, people who were struggling in life. And these guys are with David. They're hiding in a cave because they are the hunted. Saul is out after them. And we read at the start of chapter 24, after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of wild goats. 
At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. And we all go, oh, he didn't take advantage of that situation and and take him out. What would we have done? Straight after that moment in verse 5, we see David's response. It says that then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My lord the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. There is on there um, just the fact that David's like, Look, I could have, I could have killed you there and then, but I didn't because I know that you are anointed of God. And down in verse 15 he says, May the Lord therefore judge which one of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. Even though David had an opportunity to just take Saul out, he knew that Saul wasn't his true enemy. David loved Saul and recognized the anointing upon him. He honored that anointing because it was from God, not so much because of Saul's actions. David allowed this situation to be dealt with by God. He wasn't going to step in and fight battles that weren't his own to fight. He knew that and his faith was strong enough to believe in God's timing and the others around him were going, here's your opportunity and David's like, no, God will deal with Saul. That's 1 Samuel 24. In 1 Samuel 26, it kind of happens again with a different scenario. Saul's out to get David again. Surprise, surprise. And he's camped with his men not far away. And, and they're all asleep at night. And David and one of his men sneak right into Saul's camp where he's asleep. His spear is right next to him in the ground. And, and David's man goes, look, you can just get him with his own spear and it'll all be over. Like, you're the anointed king, pretty much, they're saying. You can become the king. You just need to get rid of the current king. And David was just like, no. In uh, 1 Samuel 26 verse 9, David says, no, don't kill him, for who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down some day, or he will die of old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed. But take his spear and that jug of water beside his head, and then let's get out of here. So Saul won't take matters into his own hands because he believes that God has got it in control. And um, and then he, he and his man go a little bit further away and go, Hey, Saul's men, you're doing a fine job of guarding your king. Look what we've got. 
And look what opportunity we had, but we did not make the most of that opportunity. We read down in 23, after Saul and David have had a bit of a dialogue once again, and David says, The Lord gives his own reward for doing good and for being loyal. And I refuse to kill you even when the Lord placed you in my power, for you are the Lord's anointed one. Now may the Lord value my life even as I have valued yours today. May he rescue me from all my troubles. And Saul said to David, Blessings on you, my son David. You will do many heroic deeds and you will surely succeed. Then David went away and Saul returned home. It kind of may seem rather ridiculous that that David did stand back and go, I'm going to let God take care of this when it seemed like there was opportunities for him to to just get even, to to get payback, to get what was really promised to him. David wasn't afraid of battle and confrontation and bloodshed. After he became king, we see he was a man of battle. He fought many battles. He he went out and, and conquered. But David just knew which battles to choose. He knew who his real enemies were. In Ephesians 6 and verse 11 to 12, we read about who our true enemy is. Ephesians 6.11, it says, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So often we can put the label enemy on flesh and blood humans or on things that they stand for, things that they represent. And God's word says that that people, they're not our enemies. It's so easy for us to get that mixed up. But there is an enemy behind maybe the actions of our enemies. That's our true enemy. That's what our battle is against. It's a spiritual battle. It's not a it's not a battle of our own effort and our own endeavor against people. There are things that we have to take a stand against, but we do that in obedience to what God is calling us to do, not just because we deem a certain person or position as our enemy. And let's look at Jesus' words in Luke chapter 6 and from verse 27. Luke six twenty-seven, and these are Jesus' words. He says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. It's kind of not the encouragement we want in some of the situations that we face because there are so many situations where Life wounds us, and those wounds mostly come from other people. It can be difficult to turn around and bless them, to pray for them, to love them, to see them in that moment as someone who God also values and loves. Let's go down to verse 31. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you only 
If you love only those who love you, why should you get the credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. I reckon that last one can be a bit of a sticking point for us, especially when someone says, oh, yeah, I'll pay you back. That's when we really get uptight and annoyed when they don't follow through on that promise. There's got to be wisdom in, in our generosity, but, but God blesses us with so much. And when we give it in good faith, even if the person on the other end doesn't come through, we've given it in good faith and our God's big enough to give back to us what we don't receive from the person. He'll give it back to us another way. Verse 35, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. There's, there's a lot in those verses, I know. And I find that they, they kind of mirror David's words to Saul that we read just earlier in um, 1 Samuel 26, verse 24. David said, Now may the Lord value my life, even as I have valued yours today. As we value the lives of others, even if they're difficult, even if they seem to be setting themselves up as our enemies, we know that God values our own life. We know that from Jesus' words, even if we don't always see the reward here, there will be a heavenly reward for living like Jesus, being Christ-like, living for that cause. And so after some time, Saul is killed in battle. David does become king. And he was a very successful king. It says even that um, the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. And that was a lot because David continued to live for that cause that was honouring God and living for God and trusting in God. David consulted and sought God before he went out in battle, the battles that he was meant to fight. He fought under God's instructions and so he was victorious. David did what was just and right for all his people. And so he was, he was king. He was a successful king. He was a wealthy king. He was a loved king. Those days of, of running and hiding and being in fear for his life were behind him, or so you would think. But towards the end of his kingship, he had a number of others try and rise up and take over being king. One of them was his son Absalom, who came up with a conspiracy plot to, to overthrow his father and David found himself on the run again, escaping from his own son. And in that moment, he, he could have gone, well, I've done this all before, and he could have decided that he'd 
kind of paid his dues with, with turning the other cheek and, and waiting on God's timing. Maybe this time he was going to take it into his own hands. But once again, David trusted God, used godly wisdom and, and ended up that conspiracy was overthrown and David ruled for another season. So we've kind of focused on that a lot, but I really felt today that that was one of the main points that we did need to focus on, that we know our true enemy, to realise that that other enemies, they might hurt, but they don't matter so much in us needing to fix that issue, fix them. Sometimes it's not even easy to recognise the true enemy due to our own insecurities, which was Saul's problem. He saw David as his enemy. David was never Saul's enemy. But sometimes we can be insecure like that and we think there's an enemy there who, who isn't our enemy at all. And we will find there are enemies in our life. Sometimes the enemies come out when we are being successful. We don't, don't realise that they feel that they're enemies towards us and until they become jealous of our success. Other times in our defeat, there will be enemies come against us because they want to mock us for, for how we've been brought low. But they're not the ones that we're to battle against either. Sometimes it's in times of conflict and misunderstanding with those closest to us, those times that really hurt the most when they're like those wounds from those close to us, does that make those people our enemies? No. Sometimes we come across people with different worldviews, different lifestyles, and they can be pretty aggressive in their opinions and, and their take on, on our own lifestyle. But are they our enemies? No. We're coming up to an election, there's lots of people out there very worthy candidates who have very opposing political opinions to us, are they our enemies? No. And it's a sad indictment on our society that leading up to this election that the police are setting up a special protection unit for political candidates just to watch out for their safety. Um, but those, those people represent views that they're passionate for and they might be very much opposed to what we stand for, but those people aren't our enemies. A difficult school teacher, a difficult boss, a authority figure that we come up against who seems to just have it in for us. Are they our enemy? No. Russia in their war on Ukraine, are they the enemy? I believe there's a lot of evil being done, we're, we're seeing it on our news footage, but there's still people and there is still an enemy behind what is being done. And even in that situation, God is still in control. God is doing good even in the midst of devastating circumstances. So ultimately, no, Russia is not our enemy. We just feel like everyone's against us and and we're just fighting battles left, right and centre, sometimes it's ourself that is our own enemy. 
in that situation. Saul was out fighting a battle against David. It wasn't a battle to be fought. There was nothing there, but he was his own worst enemy. So we do have people around who who set themselves up as our enemies. They they do hurt us and do say things and do things that that we can't call them friends. And when David was faced with with Saul chasing after him, he didn't stand there and just make himself a target and say, yeah, come and get me. And there's wisdom in the way that we deal with, with those kind of situations in our life that we don't just sit there and become a target for whatever people opposing us want to, to sling at us, whatever darts they want to fire. We're just happy to take them because we, we're going to be good Christians. No, that's not wise. So David didn't just sit out there and make himself a target, nor did he fight a battle that wasn't his own to fight. Sometimes tend to be a little more like Saul than David. We are chasing down someone that we've turned into enemy number one. For some reason, we've taken upon ourselves the responsibility for, for dealing with them in some way. And not normally, literally, often... It's just in the way we talk about a particular person. I, I have conversations with people at times, um, not, not at a church, of course, but um, there's certain people that kind of come up as topics of conversation quite often and, and there's a real slant against that person and, and, and the opinion of that person is, is so obvious. And that's how we can see often that we've made someone an enemy. When, when this person is in our thoughts along a lot and, and the thoughts about them are always like, and you know that feeling, like just that certain person and it's like there's, it's, not, it's not a good feeling and there's reasons why sometimes we have that response because... There is real history there, but God wants to bring us to being able to love our enemies. That's what Jesus said, that that's something we have to work for. It's not like an option. Jesus said, love your enemies, and that can be such a hard thing to do. And I believe that David, a lot of his key to being able to deal with that whole scenario, to grow and not lose his faith in God, to go from being a hunted man to a victorious king, a lot of that was based on point two, which is that he had his confidence in the right place. And that's true for us as well. Imagine if David had taken Saul out at that first opportunity. He probably would have derailed his whole kingly reign, God might have had to hand it on to someone else if David had just allowed just that um, being hunted and, and chased down to cause bitterness in his life. Who knows what the story would have ended up. David had his confidence in the right place. He trusted God early in his life and God came through for him and David didn't waver. He endured he lived for the cause of his God. And the book of Psalms 
there's 150 psalms in there and a lot of them were written by David and there's recurring themes and they are just such an expression of David's heart. There's themes in there like confidence in God's protection, declaration of trust in God, plea to God for rescue, praise for God's justice, for his victory, for his love and faithfulness, praise for the creation that God made, prayer for forgiveness and prosperity. There's psalms about integrity, psalms about praise despite being in trouble. And those psalms, just every single psalm, even ones where David is just at the end of himself really, he's still placing his trust in God. Psalm 109 in verse 1 to 4, David's saying, to God, don't stand silent and aloof while the wicked slander me and tell lies about me. They surround me with hateful words and fight against me for no reason. I love them, but they try to destroy me with accusations, even as I am praying for them. And down in verse 21, he continues, but deal well with me, O sovereign Lord, for the sake of your own reputation. Rescue me because you are so faithful and good. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is full of pain. And then verse 28, Then let them curse me if they like, but you will bless me. When they attack me, they will be disgraced, but I, your servant, will go right on rejoicing. May my accusers be clothed with disgrace. May their humiliation cover them like a cloak. But I will give repeated thanks to the Lord, praising him to everyone. For he stands beside the needy, ready to save them from those who condemn them. You can see David's prayers in those psalms were honest before God. He was crying for help, but he always expressed that underlying confidence in God no matter what was going on. In Psalm 60 and verse 11 to 12, he says, Oh, please help us against our enemies, for all human help is useless. With God's help, we will do mighty things, for he will trample down our foes. Psalm 60 and verse 11 to 12. David's confidence never seemed to waver. It sustained him throughout. Even in Psalm 55, another honest outpouring of David he says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. How quickly I would escape, far from this wild storm of hatred. David laid it all out there, but he continued to cry out to God for help because God kept coming through for him. And uh, Psalm 138 verse 8, after everything that David had been through, he still declares there in Psalm 138 8, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. David had that confidence that just 
underlined his whole life, his whole cause, that confidence was secure. And I believe that influenced greatly just his whole attitude towards Saul in particular and others who rose up against him like his son and, and other ones at various times. There was just that confidence. And so often it's hard, I think, to really move across from feeling hurt and that feeling about people to really knowing how to pray for them and love them when they're people who've hurt us and forgive them. And I encourage you to use those psalms as a basis for prayer because David, he lays it all out there. He is honest. He expresses that he really hates the fact that he's being hunted down. He's despairing at times. But then he he gets to that conclusion that, no, God, I trust you. You are in control. You will deal with this. You have got good plans. And I believe that's a key for breakthrough for, for any of us when we're facing those kind of situations. We can pray the words of those psalms when we can't kind of figure out ourselves how to to move from from where we're feeling and and what the history is telling us to doing what Jesus says and, and loving our enemies and and not seeing them as the enemy but knowing who the real enemy is David just continued to rely on God and look to God for his success. David had a confidence in his identity that he was one of God's chosen people. In his case, he was he was king, but but he was one of God's chosen people before he was king as well. He knew that. He was a, secure in that. He knew that his God wasn't just any God, that his God was mighty, that he was great, that he was worthy of David's worship and devotion and praise, that his God supplied him with a cause to live for, which was honouring God. It was for the honour of God that, that David was a man of battle as a king. It wasn't just so that he could build himself up and say, look how big I've made this kingdom, look how many enemies I've defeated. No, he, he knew that those nations that, his um, army defeated when he was king, that they were true enemies against God. He wasn't backing down in those kind of battles. He was truly a man after God's own heart. So just as we finish up today, we can, we can jump on living for a cause. There's lots of good causes in life to, to chase after, but there is... One true cause, the cause of Christ that is worth living for, truly worth living for long term, and it's not always easy. There's, there's challenges, there's endurance needed. We, we grow through those challenges. And there's something yeah, today it was I really felt that we needed to be reminded to focus on who the real enemy is and to follow Jesus' instruction to make that part of our life if, if it's something that we we have kind of not really wanted to embrace. 
too wholeheartedly in the past that that we do pray for those who set themselves up as our enemies, that do threaten us in some way, that we would be people who would seek God for those situations. It seems impossible to love some people. Some people can seem very unlovable. But we have a God who is, is bigger than our own reservoir of resource and love isn't just feeling a certain way. God can give us the way that we need to love a particular person and then he might tell us to love someone else a different way altogether. But we can know that we are more like Jesus by having the right focus when it comes to enemies, fighting the right battles and not the wrong ones because there is a cause, a cause worth living for. We'd like to stand and we'll close in prayer. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the life that we have in you and we, we thank you that it's a journey that you are with us every step of the way. Even when we feel like others are against us, even when we carry hurts and we, we don't really know how to forgive us, you say we should. God, we just in this place today, ask you to help us with all those scenarios, with, with all those difficult people that come to mind. And, and God, if we are our own worst enemy in some of these situations, Lord, I just pray that you will reveal that to us and help us to just know your grace and, and just know your peace in our heart when it comes to, to some of the people that we find it difficult to deal with. God, I just thank you that your forgiveness for us is so real and so magnificent and amazing and undeserved. It is so extravagant toward us that, that you would forgive us when we have just ignored your existence, when we have just lived life our own way, when we have turned our back on you, when we have just not giving you the honour that is due to your name. God, I just thank you for your extravagant forgiveness to us. And God, I just pray that in light of that, that we would, we would not hold back our own forgiveness toward others, but, but we would just, God, that we would let go of those situations and that we would let you be God in those situations. I really feel that that's a phrase for for one or more people here to really take hold of is that you would let go and let God, that there's people that have become enemies for whatever reason and it's time to let go and let God, that it's not a battle for you to fight but it's time to let go and, and let God deal with that situation and, and David found that it, it took a long time till till God dealt with his own situation but he continued to trust God during that time. And, and this season, once you let go, will we'll involve trusting God for however long it takes. And David was prepared to wait until Saul died of old age. And sometimes it doesn't maybe seem fair in our own eyes, but we know that everyone has to just be accountable for their own actions. And sometimes we have to wait 
until they face God to receive that judgment in the end for their actions. But we can't hang on to those things until that happens. We've got to let go or it will destroy us. It will destroy our peace. It will destroy that cause that we're living for. It will undermine our confidence in God if we're, if we're still fighting battles with, with enemies that we're not meant to be fighting. So, God, I just pray that you'll give people the strength to let go and, and give things into your hands when necessary. God, we just thank you that you are mighty, that you are great, that, that you fight the battles that we don't need to. You fight them in your perfect timing. You bring those victories for us. And, and God, your plans are good, that we can have full confidence in you. God, I just pray that we will... We will trust you, trust you afresh with those difficult situations today. God, that as we, as we live in this world that, that says them back all the time, we have a world that says we should pay people back, but God, I pray that, that you will help us to forgive, help us to let go, that our lives will be an example to those around us, that we will be like you, Jesus, that we will live for your cause, that it won't be our own cause, it will be your cause, that we will, we will be aware that, that there is an enemy that we fight a spiritual battle against, that we will be involved in that battle, but we won't fight those battles that we're not meant to. God, we just thank you for your, your word to us today. We thank you for, for your encouragement from those psalms. God, just the heart of David, God, so much reflects what we go through. Lord, we just thank you for the encouragement in those psalms. Thank you for the confidence that we can have in you as David had. Thank you, God, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.